Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com and the host of the Achiever program as well as uh, at the show Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind. And I'm delighted to be back again with you this week. I'm really going to talk about a subject that I think is of value to so many people, particularly if you are launching products online, and that is um, about product launches and how to really achieve exceptional results by doing them really well. Um, Firstly, though, I'd just like to say uh, thank you to my guest last week, uh, Jonathan Farl of the Rockstar Group. Um, he talked with me about private equity funding and about how to develop your business proposition so that others would want to invest in it. And I thought Jonathan um, had some fabulous information to share. share. And he, he was really talking about how you know, companies and people try and pitch for investment, how 99% fail. And with their methodology, um, they've moved to a 75% success rate for companies. So I would check that out. If you're interested in maybe getting investment, um, there's a really good show to go back and uh, have a listen to. Now, there was a bit of a challenge last week. The Voice America site had unusually gone down. I was intermittently down, and some people struggled to access the show live. So apologies on behalf of Voice America for anybody who couldn't get hold of that live show. And I'm pleased to say the show is now in the archive, uh, the content's there, so do go and listen through. And I was also delighted to hear that we'd had a record number of listeners in September, um, over sort of 21 and a half, about 21 and a half thousand people listened to the show uh, during the month, individual people. So thank you for listening and joining the show. So um, product launches. Now, I've been thinking about this subject for a little while. I've been thinking about what are the what are the subjects that would be really useful and helpful uh, to the people who listen to this program. And um, I was thought about this subject for a little while because personally, I thought it'd be a subject that would be very helpful for me as well. Um, I know that very much how you launch a product or a service, it can literally make the difference, can't it, between whether your product succeeds or whether it fails. And, and also, most of us don't have a, an Apple-sized budget to do it. So how can we do it cost-effectively? Now, I was recently at an event. Um, if anyone listened to the show, you know I go to a lot of them. This one was in London. And on the stage, as if by magic, I've been thinking about this subject. And um, a, a chap called Nick James appeared. And he clearly knew a huge amount about it. Uh, I then joined one of his webinars and I joined up to his membership program because I could see some real value in it. Now, Nick writes copy and executes product launches for some of the best known experts in Internet marketing and also personal development. And many of his campaigns I know have achieved some really exceptional results. And as the world becomes more and more internet savvy, the online route is also it's an increasingly an essential platform for product launch. Nick James is one of the UK's leading experts on copywriting, webinars, and online product launches. He's not only built his own multiple six-figure business, but he's helped many well-known experts to successfully launch their products, seminars, coaching programs, uh, people that you might have heard of like Bob Proctor, uh, Rick Otten, Topher Morrison, 
uh, Jarek Robbins, Dan Bradbury, Mindy Gibbons-Klein, Andy Harrington, many others. He's also trained thousands of business owners worldwide to use more effective sales and marketing techniques to grow their lists, reach more people, and ultimately get more paying clients. So um, I'd like to welcome um, to the show Nick James. Thanks, Chris. What a lovely introduction. I suppose I'd, uh, I'd better be good after that, haven't I? <laughs> We've set the stage. We've set the platform for you to uh, excel. And, and also, uh, you've, just, you've just shared with me, you've just literally this morning uh, come off a flight from Mexico and had two hours sleep. So it's great to hear you sounding bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that's still the case in an hour's time, shall we? Like I said, a couple of hours and I had a, a three-and-a-half-year-old in tow as well on, that, uh, on the long flight, 10 hours it was back overnight. So not much sleep, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm drinking lots of water and staying alert. <laughs> and great um so so uh let's let's start the by thinking about maybe you know some of the sorts of problems nick that people face when it comes to product launches and what's your experience what do you see as being the fundamental issues yeah well but before i answer that if it's okay chris can can we talk a little bit around product launches and like what they are because i think one of the things that people struggle with when i talk about product launches is they put them in a box like where it's got to be a physical product or a downloadable product, but don't see that the same methodology applies across the board. So it doesn't have to be what you have, what you offer doesn't have to be a physical product that you can touch, or it doesn't even have to be a downloadable product, like an information product. It could be any service, any coaching program, consulting package. It could be a workshop or a seminar if you're into that. It, this stuff works across the board. But as you rightly say, there's, there's some common problems that people have when they're trying to launch a new product or service and bring it to the market. I think probably the, the, the biggest one that I see, the biggest mistake I think that I see people make when they've got an idea for a new product or service is that they dive into it head first and spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources creating the products or getting the thing ready or building the website or whatever without really knowing fully whether or not there's a demand for it. So they don't really test the water. And the thing that I always um, the thing that I always say to people is, you know, can you get that idea that you've got and can you test it quickly and cheaply? Can you test it like in the next 30 days without having to spend a fortune on marketing. As you rightly said, Chris, at the very beginning, you know, not all of us have got Apple sized budgets and can't afford to, you know, spend hundreds of thousands or millions of pounds on a test. Um, but, you know, my thinking is if you can test something out, see if there's a market, see if there's a demand for it before you then go and invest time and money and resources in the development of the product or the program that you're going to offer. That's that's always a good bit of advice, I find. Then to assume that you've got something that people have got a desire for, then you can really get to work. How, um, how, do, you find, how do you find, though, the, the best ways to actually test that? Because, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, be an inch wide, a, a, a mile deep in terms of your knowledge and expertise. And that, now with the Internet, we can access, you know, huge range of different markets and niches. Um, how do you best identify and research and decide whether your product's something that is worth developing or not? Yeah, yeah, good good question. Well, let, let me give you an example, actually. It'd probably be easier to explain. So um, a couple of years ago, uh, a gentleman approached me because he'd invested, um, I think it was somewhere in the region of £220,000 in the development of a new software. And I saw the software, and it was really, really good software. So it was, a, it was actually a software program that you could use. Like, you know, a lot of people have, like, a coach or a mentor. It was actually a program that would coach and mentor you like a it was almost like a robotic version which sounds a bit strange but he'd spent a lot of time and money creating this this software and, and it really was phenomenal like it was very um intuitive like it, it kind of got to know you and your goals and your habits and your aspirations and could coach you even <laughs> though it wasn't an actual person it was phenomenally well-produced piece of software but the problem was that he'd not really thought about the marketing of it yet um, and so he came to me and said hey will you help me launch this product and and as it turned out the 
market in the kind of uh, the individual world, if you like, the market to your end user, it wasn't really that good a fit. Now, fortunately, what he found was that he could sell this software to big corporates as a package. So, for example, you know, a company with 10,000 employees could buy 10,000 licenses and have a coaching program running in its company. So that's where he ended up selling it. But I think, you know, when when he originally created it, the intention was that it was going to be something that would be used by the individual and, you know, never really got off the ground in that sense because there wasn't a market for it. So, and I think the best ways, though, to test it, I mean, there's loads of different ways you could test your new idea or your new product or your new service. I mean, it sounds really, really obvious, but just going out there, and trying to sell one of it without having created it first. So, for example, like if you've got an idea for, I don't know, let's say a membership site, which, you know, will take a lot of time and effort and a bit of money to build before you then go out and create it. Um, before, sorry, it will take time to build before you can sell it. But can you at least get somebody to buy into the concept of it, maybe by delivering the same information but in a different format, maybe by delivering that information on a one-to-one basis as a consultant or something like that? So just to test the water a little bit, one of the things that I do a lot, and we'll, we'll probably allude to it, you already mentioned it once, I think, Chris, um, you know, one of the things that I do a lot is webinars. So, you know, webinars are a great way to test your ideas out and just see if anybody's willing to, you know, come and spend half an hour, an hour learning about the thing that you're going to offer. Because if they're willing to spend a bit of time to hear about what you're doing, then the chances are they're going to be more likely to spend some money further down the line as well. That makes a, a lot of sense. I'm just trying to imagine being coached by a computer at uh, the moment. <laughs> I would never believe that it was possible to have something that would do, like have a program that could do that. Um you know, you obviously have to input a lot of your, um, a lot of information in order for it to be able to spit stuff back out at you. Um, but I tell you something, I mean, it was a extremely comprehensive program. Extre- well, for 220 grand, you'd expect it to be, I suppose. But, uh, you know, it was an int- extremely comprehensive piece of software and very, very good. And I-, I tried it out and used it myself and it was very, very good. And like I said, it was just one of those things, though, that it was more suited to the corporate arena rather than the you know the individual i think what happened was the individual felt that there was too much work that needed to be done ahead of time to put all the information in to then get the benefit of the thing afterwards and it's sometimes just nice spending time with people who've got some experience to yeah. and get away from the computer yeah sure so uh, i wonder so so what do you see when people have really got uh, product launch wrong i mean what what are, what are the physical things you might see or notice? Yeah, well, I, mean, <laughs> well, I suppose the, the easiest measure of the success of any launch or any any uh, sales or marketing project is in the the numbers. <laughs> you know, in the numbers of you know how how much revenue did you pull in, how much profit did you make, how many units did you sell. So clearly, when people get it wrong, they don't get anywhere near the number that they're that they're hoping or expecting um but i think probably again you know similar to the answer i gave to begin with you know i think testing the market small first is always a good idea um you know i think people often put so much um pressure and so much kind of um uh, so, so much emphasis on the product launch itself whereas often you'll see some companies do softer launches where they'll say, right, you know, first of all, we're just going to launch this to our existing customers. We're going to launch it to our existing client base and see how they respond. Because the bottom line is, if you can't get one of your existing clients to buy something, the chance of getting a new customer who's never worked with you and never bought from you before to buy it are pretty slim. So I think to do do it soft first is always a good way to go about it. And then, of course, you can launch it on a much wider scale. And you see the big companies do this all the time. I mean, we've spoken about Apple a couple of times and their huge marketing budget. But, you know, when when it comes to creating a new iPhone, for example, you know, they're not just doing it off. You know, they're not designing the the iPhone on the back of a fag packet. These guys are doing a lot of in-depth research with, you know, current iPhone users to see what they want to improve upon for the next release, all that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're definitely taking it very, very seriously. And obviously, we don't all have the budget to be able to do massive focus groups like they probably do. But we are all in a position, I think, to be able to do things gradually rather than try and do it all in one fell swoop. And I think that's when you leave yourself open 
to a lot of uh, a lot of danger if you're not careful you know you can you can put all your eggs in one basket and if it doesn't go so well then uh, you know then you can end up in a bit of trouble whereas you know if you do things gradually you can learn from a soft launch um you know iron out the kinks as it were and get a sense of what works and then what doesn't work and improve it for the full launch that you would put out to the general public as it were great so you, so you recommend we've got about a minute to go to commercial break now so i'll kind of summarize but your recommendation is people people undertake like a, a soft launch uh, to to also test um how well this might go down before they fully finish the product or service and then go for a full launch is that yeah i, I mean i think and again you know Obviously, it depends on what size of business you're operating in. That could be, you know, if you're just a, you know, a very, very small business working at home from your laptop, that might look like just testing out on a small group of five people and seeing how they respond. If you're a bigger business, it might look like going out to your existing client base, which might be hundreds or even a few thousand customers and seeing what they think and getting their feedback. So it's all relative, depending on the size of your business, I think. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, what we're going to do is we're going to talk in the next segment about some of the key principles that we really need to understand um, that are important for uh, communicating and launching to uh, consumers and customers. Um, So we're going to really talk about those key principles that you need to understand, and then we'll come into some of the tools a little bit later. So do hang on, because there's going to be some great content from this show, I'm, I'm sure. We'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com. And I'm talking with Nick James about product launches. And, and Nick, I, I just wondered, before we move on to the key principles, I mean, what, why was it that you decided to focus your business on, on helping people successfully launch products? And what's the story behind that? Um, yeah, well, thanks for asking, Chris. I mean, it was probably around five years ago now that I got into doing product launches. Before that, I'd been writing sales copy as you mentioned earlier um so writing sales letters and email campaigns and things like that for private clients and there was something that i noticed and that was there were some clients who could take uh, a sales letter or an email campaign and make it absolutely fly like crazy then there were other clients who could take the same quality of service the same quality of email campaign or sales letter and it wouldn't work anywhere near as well And it made me think, like, why is that? Why are some clients getting better results than others? And what I realized was it isn't just the copy itself. It's the bigger marketing plan that it fits into that makes the big difference. So the people that were making it fly got product launches and got marketing. The people that weren't making it fly so well didn't really get how it all worked. So consequently, they were just 
sending a few emails out in the hope that something would work and that they'd get some results. So um, on that basis, what I started doing was when somebody approached me and asked me to write some copy for them, I would say, yep, yeah, great, so I can do that for you. But tell me first, what's the marketing plan for the launch of this product or service? And if they told me and they had it all down, then I'd say, great, fantastic, here's the copy. And if they didn't really have an idea, which was most of the cases, um, I ended up saying, hey, you know, so how about we work on the whole launch rather than just the copy? And, and for me personally, for my business, it meant that I could work with the clients at a much deeper level. Therefore, I could charge more, which was good for me. And it meant that they got better results, which was good for them. So it was a real win-win. And it was one of those things that I never really intended to do. It just kind of happened by accident. But sometimes the best stuff, I think, happens that way. And I guess to, you could say that was your research in in some ways. Because in the absolutely right, I don't know what it, why it is, but certainly from the people that I know, who many of them who develop products, it's the one area that they, they kind of really forget about. And I may have been guilty about that myself. You know, a lot of time and attention does go into creating and developing the product, but then actually how you communicate that in a very disciplined way to the marketplace can easily get forgotten. Yeah, I think a lot of time, I'm not saying that you shouldn't focus on the product because, of course, if the product's no good, then the marketing doesn't matter. But in the same way that if the marketing's no good, the product doesn't matter. You can have the best pro- product in the world, but if no one knows about it, then then that's pointless. So, yeah, I think I think it's about getting a healthy balance between the two. <laughs> so, so let's look now at the, the psychology behind product launches. What, what, from your perspective, are the key principles that we really need to be aware of? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I think people need to get that when you launch a new product, it's not just a case of going, here's the product, here's what it will do for you, go and buy it. It's, it's a case of understanding what influences people to buy. It's about understanding what are the emotional triggers inside human beings that get them to the point where they say, yes, I'm going to part with my hard-earned money for this thing, this product, this service that you're offering me. Um, and there's the six things that I've identified that you need to do or you need to stir inside people if you're going to get them to ultimately pay you money for your product or service. So the, the first thing is you've got to grab their attention. You've got to do something that demands that they pay attention to your marketing message. Now, you know, we can model and look at a lot of the big companies, but sometimes I like to use kind of quirky examples. So one of the best examples I know of somebody who grabs attention, demands attention, is Simon Cowell. So, you know, most people in the world know who Simon Cowell is. You know, he's creator of the X Factor and all those are the um, silly shows, I suppose. <laughs> but the guy commands attention, demands attention. And the way that he tends to do it, because I think we'd all agree, He's not the nicest guy in the world, is he? You know, he's not Mother Teresa or nothing. He's not the nicest guy in the world, but he's very controversial. And in being very controversial and very opinionated and very against the status quo, he demands a lot of attention. So one of the things you can do if you want to command a lot of attention is go against what everybody else in your industry is saying. Somehow be a little, you know, be brave enough to say something that's thought-provoking, that's... um, that you know that's your own spin on how things should be done or what's the best way to execute your product or the best way to deliver your service do something different for everybody else and that'll get their attention and you know in a practical way one of the things that i often do in these online launches to get attention is put out like a video or some content that's quite controversial that's different for example um you know i know that a lot of the listeners will probably have uh, heard of or seen the movie The Secret um, or the book version The Secret. Um, and uh, one of my clients, we worked we worked on a, a product launch a while back, um, and the first thing we did was create a video called um, – so The Secret, if you haven't heard of it, by the way, in order to make this story work, uh, The Secret, if you haven't heard of it, is, is a book and a movie all about the law of attraction, about manifesting anything you want in your life. And so we created a video called, if the secret's so great, then where's my Ferrari? So it was kind of having a little fun poke at the law of attraction manifestation. Now, for the record, I, I totally believe in that stuff. And I think if you only put things into, you know, if you go for the law of attraction and manifesting, 
you're not going to get any results because you've got to take some action. That's just logical common sense. So we went with a bit of a different angle, something a bit more controversial, something a bit thought-provoking, and it got a lot of attention, got a lot of good press, got a bit of bad press, but that's okay because, you know, the old adage is true, no such thing as bad publicity. So the first thing you've got to do somehow is you've got to command some attention. That's thing number one. And you could, I mean, you could say with that example, actually, um, I think you know, one of the challenges with that uh, movie and book was that people listened to it. They decided to think about what they wanted. They started to understand some of these these principles. Um, however, they weren't, you know, to be able to receive anything, you've got to get into action. And if you're not getting out there and acting, then you're not going to get what you want. So actually, what you're, you know, what you're appealing to with that sl- slogan. Um, you know, where's if it's so great, where's my Ferrari? Actually, is it almost the reality that, guys, it comes down to you getting into action. Yeah, Maybe. one of my one of my favourite expressions from one of my early mentors when it comes to business um, and you know positive thinking. He said you could sit there in your house all day thinking positive, thinking positive, thinking positive, but eventually, one day somebody's going to come and take your furniture. You know, so <laughs> eventually, somebody's going to go. Look, if you ain't doing anything and your business isn't making any money, we're going to have to take some stuff away from you because you owe us money. So, you know, I think the positive thinking and mental attitude and all that stuff is great, but it'll only get you so far. Anyway, we're not going to turn this into a personal development lecture. (laughs) Let's get back on track. So the, the second thing that I think is important in a good product launch, a good launch of any service is that you want to use what's known as the law of reciprocity. In other words, you want to provide value first before you ask for anything in return. So, you know, again, in, in a lot of my product launches, the way that that looks is maybe giving away something for free. Maybe it's giving away a video series or maybe it's giving away a book or maybe it's giving away a, a webinar presentation where you're giving really good, valuable stuff away for free in exchange for people showing an interest in you and what you do and therefore hearing about your upcoming product or service launch. So I think that's a really good way to build um, a relationship with a client, especially if they're not a client yet, if they're a kind of, um, if they're, they're not heard of you or worked with you before, it's a good way to kind of um, get that relationship started. And then, of course, the more you do that, the more you can create a feeling of bonding and trust, which is step number three. You want to create a feeling of bonding, trust, connection between you, the person who's produced the product, and them, the person who might be interested in buying it. Great. So, uh, so reciprocity in terms of giving to receive, so give them some value, uh, and then you've got to try and create a, a bond and a trust. I mean, does some of that bond and the trust come through the communication method? Does it come in your copy? Well, I mean, I've I've got quite a uh, quite a contrary view on. Um, on product launches, actually, um, and I'll give you a few examples why I think this is true and works well. I, I'm really not a big fan of hiding behind some kind of big corporate facade. I'm definitely a big fan of putting a face to your business. So if you look at some of the, I mean, there's, of course, example, there's always exceptions to the rule. But if you look at some of the world's most successful businesses and business people, you know, people like Sir Richard Branson. Yes, Virgin's his brand, but his face is on everything. It's in the advertising it's synonymous with that brand. If you look at like Apple, of course, up until recently was Steve Jobs was the face of Apple. He was the guy who would stand there and tell you about the latest innovation that they created. There was, there was a face that went with the brand. And I believe, especially in smaller business, and I know a lot of our listeners today will be in smaller business, that it's even more important for you to be the face of your business and let people know who you are as an individual. And that will really help harness that bond, that trust, that connection. And of course, when somebody trusts you, they're much more likely to do business with you. In fact, I'd go as far to say that if they don't trust you, you can have the best products in the world. They will not buy. They have to have that. And I think by putting your face behind what it is you do and putting your, 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 your reputation, your personal image alongside your product or service definitely helps build that bond that trust easier i think i think there you could probably use me as an example of that this this show and me being the face of it is is really that's why i'm doing it i'm doing it to uh, to be the face of something and to develop a relationship yeah I, 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 I doubt the show would have anywhere near as many listeners if it had a different host every week because there wouldn't be a personality behind it well i I hope that's the case. 
I'm not planning to test it um, just soon. Anyway, we're going to go to another commercial break. So we shall be back with you again in a couple of minutes and finish off these key points and then get into some of the the key tools um, that you should use at the different stages of product launch. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. What's really going on in Washington? Listen as two of Washington's most experienced insiders, Howard Marlowe and Michael Willis, divulge the strategies of the key players affecting legislation and policy matters every week on The Inner Loop. Unlike most talk shows, which feature hosts that have little to no experience working with the federal government, The Inner Loop is hosted by two professionals who actively work to influence federal policy on a daily basis. The Inner Loop is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreCheapMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and I'm talking with Nick James. And we've been talking about uh, the psychology and the key principles behind product launches. And um, I noted sort of before at the break, Nick, that uh, the key things you were telling us about were about firstly about you've got to get attention and at times be prepared to be controversial and stand out to do that. Um, also, we talked about the law of reciprocity, about giving to receive. And uh, then you started to talk about you know, creating a bond and a trust and actually being the face of something is an important way to do that. Um, so I know you've got a few more points on this before we move into the tools. Um, uh, that from our previous conversation, I remember you saying the next one was about um, having a desire uh, for the product. Can you want to talk to us about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think um, it's probably important to point out that up until now, if this was a order and sequence of us doing a product launch, we haven't actually mentioned a product that's for sale at all. So up until now, all we're doing is laying the groundwork, the foundations to in order to be able to present an offer to the potential client that they're going to want. So the next piece, as you rightly say, is you then need to create a desire for the product once you've laid the other foundations so we can say, hey, here's what we've got and here's what I think it could really do for you and how it could really help you and outline what the key benefits are to the product, the service that you're about to offer. And, you know, I might be teaching my grandmother to suck eggs a little bit here, you know, with, you know, talking about outlining the benefits of the product or the service rather than the features, which is, you know, old school, just general good sales um, advice. But a lot of people get it wrong still, even now. So uh, I think it's important to outline that. And the question that I always ask my clients is around the creating the desire piece is what is the single biggest benefit or single biggest result that people are going to get when they use your product or service? Like what's the end game they're looking to achieve? So, you know, it might be that you're doing something around increasing their income. It might be something around health. It might be increasing something. It could be anything, but what's the end thing they're looking to achieve? Because that's really like what I always say to people is, you know, a lot of the people I work with are kind of coaches, consultants, speakers, that kind of people. I go, look, no one really wants to, 
go to a seminar. No one really wants to have a coach. No one really wants to pay a consultant. They want a result. And then the vehicle for that might be a seminar or a coaching session or a consultation. So you want to always be looking at what's the result. And then that's how you're going to get people to have a desire for the product. So it's kind of uh, the program in some ways is uh, is some short term pain for the long term gain, which the long term gain being the important thing. And I guess if you can make those uh, those interventions, so they're not a pain as well. Well, yeah, enjoyable. Absolutely. That helps too. Of course, you want to make it, you want to make it, you want to make it so that people feel that um, working with you and uh, buying your products or having you work with them in some way, shape, or form is going to be a fun, rewarding, enriching experience. And also, then further down the line, they're going to get the result they really want. And I think, uh, well, to come right back to the top, you asked me what's one of the biggest problems um, that people face or the things that people get wrong. I just don't think people really understand what the market wants. I think a lot of times they try and sell something that the, they they perceive the market needs. But people don't buy what they need. People buy what they want most of the time. I mean, apart from the things that you basically need to survive, like food and stuff, most of the stuff that you buy is stuff that you want rather than stuff that you need. And if you're definitely, you know, if you're operating in the kind of market which sells, um, you know, luxury goods and that kind of thing, you're definitely in the what people want category. Um, then the next piece is that you want to um, you want to create a sense of anticipation. So any good product launch and the, the the absolute best people on the planet for doing this are Apple. No question at all. Like they get people. How on earth is it possible to get people queuing around the block or right the way down the street for the release of a new phone or a new computer or whatever it is that they're releasing? Well, how is it possible to get that sense of anticipation and excitement around a new product? Especially when you consider that if you waited a week, you could not bother queuing up and just go in and buy it from the shop. So why are people, why do people have that emotional excitement association that they're really, they're anticipating the arrival of this new thing? Well, they do it very, very deliberately. It's not a fluke. You know, first of all, they have, there is definitely a certain kudos, a certain kind of, um, a certain kind of image thing that's associated to having the new iPhone 5, for example, or the iPad 2 when it came out or whatever. So they're really good at creating that, like they're the cool brand. And if you've got their cool thing, then you're a cool person kind of thing. Um, but also what they're really good at is they're really good at telling you about the benefits, exactly what we're talking about here. They're really good at telling you the benefits of the thing before it's on sale. So you'll see, and again, it used to be Steve Jobs and now it's somebody else doing this. They would you know, put a, a keynote presentation up online and it'd be all over the internet where you can see a presentation of this guy t- showing you the new products and all the, the benefits and all the f- new features and the cool bits that it does um, way before you can actually buy the thing. Um, and the other thing that this is kind of, um, we'll never really know, will we, I guess, whether this is deliberate or not, but there always seems to be some kind of leak, doesn't there? Like, you know, this uh, last time when it was the iPhone 5, it was like the factory in China. Some guy had smuggled the phone out and, took a picture of it and spread it all over the internet. So there's always some kind of like teasing you. It's always some kind of like information coming out about the product before it goes on sale. So consequently, when it comes time to buy it, people have already decided they're buying it before they show up at the store. And you want people to already have decided they want to work with you, that they want to buy your products or want to invest in your services before you actually ask them for the money. They want to already be predisposed to buy because you've been drip feeding them little teasers all the way through this launch process. So they're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. They're talking about about it. There's a buzz about it. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the buzz around like Apple stuff before it comes out is insane. I mean, it's in all the papers, it's on the news, people are talking about it on the radio, it's everywhere. You can't breathe. And like I said, you know, there's people queuing around the block for, you know, because they want to buy this new phone or this new iPad or whatever. Great. And that creates, uh, so the building the anticipation, that creates a sense of urgency to, uh, to buy it. Yeah, well, the urgency piece, which is number six, the urgency piece is that it's not a case of they want to buy it, that's the anticipation. Is they want to buy it now. They don't want to wait till tomorrow, next week, next month. They want it now. And the more you can get people to want your offer now, because the biggest objection, any business person will know this objection inside out and back to front. You'll have heard it a hundred times, which is I'll think about it. And that is like death to a salesperson or a business person to hear those words because you and I both know 
that in 90% of cases, I'll think about it means no. It's a polite way of saying no, I'm not going to buy from you today. So, you know, you want to avoid the I'll think about it bit by creating some urgency, a reason to do it now. Now, there's a few ways to do that. And of course, you know, there's the old school hot tactics where you could say, hey, you know, if you do this now, if you buy this product now, or if you buy this service today, then we'll give you a discount or we'll do a special deal for you, that kind of thing. That's cool and it works and it always has worked. That's why people do it. And you'll notice that Apple don't do any discounts the day that the iPhone 5 goes on sale. And they've still got people queuing around the corner. The interesting thing is, actually, if most people paid attention, you can go to another unnamed store around the corner and buy the exact piece of kit that they're selling without having to queue. But people buy from the store because they want the experience of going in and buying it from the store, the Apple store, and getting all the, you know, the, the, the guys show them how it works. And they want all that. They want the experience. And they want it on the day that it goes on as well. Great. So let's, um, let's move on to, you know, the different stages of launching a product, the key tools that can really help us. And, and uh, I know one of the, the, some of the tools that um, we've talked about, things like joint ventures, webinars and sales letters and video, those sorts of things. Um, it'd be great if we could now focus on, on some of those, uh, those techniques that help us facilitate this. So I wondered, um, what are your recommendations um, when it comes to, to joint ventures? And I should mention that I did actually go on um, one of, a webinar that you did, and I'm not sure whether you knew whether I was there, I was there or not, um, that you did on joint ventures. And I thought it was excellent. I mean, it really did give some great content on how to do this really well. And, and I have to be honest, I did also subscribe to your offer um which was a dvd offer and being part of your membership program there so can't say i've listened to the dvd yet watched it yet but uh, i'll let you know how i get on with it <laughs> but t- tell us about um joint ventures and t- some of the key things that we need to understand and how this can help really leverage a product launch yeah i mean i think um first of all the reason i think joint ventures are so great a number of reasons is that you know it's a it's a very low freeway of getting the message out there about your new product or service to people in the marketplace, in your industry, without having to spend a boatload of money doing it. A lot of, a lot of the traditional ways of advertising, a lot of money, and this really doesn't. So you can find somebody in your industry who's got a complementary product or service to what you have, and then they can help you, you can help them. That's why we call it a joint venture. So it's a venture that you do together as a team, whereby they might promote for you, you might prov- promote for them, um, with the ultimate goal, of getting some value for both parties. Um, and there's tons and tons of different ways of doing this. Now, like I said, I mean, you know, you can do an in-house product launch and it'll work really well. But I think a lot of business owners, a lot of the people that I work with, the, the number one question they have for me is like, how can I get more new clients? How can I grow my list? How can I reach more people and get more new paying clients into my business? And the best way that I know how to do that is joint ventures. Like I said already, it doesn't cost you anything. And the leads that you get from joint ventures are much hotter than the leads you'll get from anywhere else. So let's just compare it for a second. Do you want to just share with us maybe how and people may be thinking, well, that's great, but I don't actually know how to joint venture with somebody effectively to do this. You know, what are the ways that you can joint venture? Yeah, okay. Well, there's, there's, there's lots. I'll give you just a few. Um, and it depends what industry you're in, obviously. But the probably the biggest overriding piece of advice I'd give you is to somehow create value for the other person first. So let's say you've identified somebody you'd like to joint venture with. You think, wow, you know, if I could get that person to promote my products or service, it'd make a huge difference to my business. Well, it's all well and good walking up to saying, hey, will you help me out? Will you favor? But it's a bit cheeky to ask somebody to do you a favor if, you know, you don't know who they are and they've not got any previous relationship. So my, my, my biggest bit of advice really is to create value for them first. So maybe that would appear in the shape of you promoting something for them, so your customer base, before you then go and ask them to do the same. Maybe you would um, offer them the opportunity to come and um, share some material with your subscribers your client base again depends what industry you're in of course um either via like if you do like i do um seminars workshops webinars i often invite people to come along and share their expertise at my seminars and workshops um because i want to 
add value to their business because I want to forge a relationship with them. The quickest and easiest one, by the way, and this might sound a bit self-serving, but really it's not. I've done this a lot of times and it's worked great. It's just to buy their stuff. You know, like Chris, the chance of you getting me to appear on this radio show was significantly improved when you became a member of my membership program. Yes. My client, my customer, rather than I've never heard of or never met before. We've got a, we've got a bond, a connection, which is greater than just somebody approaching me. I get a lot of joint venture offers and requests, a lot of people emailing me saying, promote this for me, promote that for me. I don't even know who most of them are. Whereas if somebody comes to me and they say, hey, you know, um, I, I, you know, I'm a member of the newsletter, would you promote this for me? I'm much more likely to listen to them because, you know, we've got some kind of bond and connection. Yeah, I think that makes uh, makes an awful lot of sense. And I think thinking about this this radio show, it's not. I don't I don't struggle to find guests for this show. I mean, I actually think I've got a list of about twenty five thirty people who've expressed a strong interest in being on it. But sometimes there's somebody out there that I'd really love to have on the show, and because I've got no connection with them, uh, unless I can create one, then I've got to somehow you know fill that uh, that bridge between me and them. Um, and I think the only way you can do that is, as you said, by finding a way to give them something that really adds tangible value, um, or at least get a very strong recommendation. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, when I first first started the business, like I said, six years ago, we um, we basically I just went to a few people, a handful of people, and said, "Hey, you know, here's a skill that I've got called writing. I'd like to do it for you. You don't have to pay me anything to do it. So I just created some value for them using the skills that I already had." So you might want to ask yourself, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you might go, well, what skills have you got? What you could provide other people with for free? And then, of course, once the relationship's built further down the line, maybe they'll be able to reciprocate and help you out as well. Great. We've got probably about, um, I guess, about sort of eight or nine minutes before I need to need to wrap up. So how about talking about webinars? Because that's something that a lot of people are using. Yeah. Well, I mean... I'm uh, as as I already said, you know, I'm a big big fan of webinars. I think it's probably the best in my, in our industry at least in the kind of personal development world. Probably the best way to test out your ideas, your upcoming products that you want to launch, services. It's the best way to test them out. It's cheap. It doesn't take much time, and it means that you to then be able to share your expert knowledge or your um, you know give people an insight into what it is you do. Um, without spending a, a heap of money. Um, and, you know, webinars, for me, have been phenomenally successful. And in terms of doing it, though, I think there's a lot of people have a bit of a, um, they have a bit of fear around the technical side of it or whatever. It's actually really, really simple. Um, I mean, I personally recommend, uh, by the way, am I allowed to mention the software that I use? Yeah, please do, yeah. Yeah, so I personally recommend GoToWebinar. I have no um, shares in GoToWebinar. Or I don't own the company. <laughs> But I, I use GoToWebinar mainly because they've got a free trial. You can try it free for 30 days. So, you know, you could literally do your first webinar without having to lay down a single penny to try it out and see how it works for you. And, you know, that, I, I run a lot of workshops on um, teaching people how to use webinars and that kind of thing. It's just a great way for you to, um, first of all, build your list. Because when somebody registers to attend one of your webinars, they have to give you their details. Therefore, you've got their details on your list then for future marketing. Um, and, of course, you could use joint ventures that we just mentioned to fill webinars. You could use social media to fill webinars. You could use any of the kind of marketing activity you do to drive people to register for a webinar. And then, of course, once you've got their details, then they're on your list and you can give them more value and market to them again and again. So it's great for building a list. Also, it's great for building your reputation, your authority, because, of course, you're the person who's teaching or sharing the message on the webinar. Therefore, it's good for creating bonding and trust, like we already mentioned. Um, and it's really good for building your reputation as the expert in the field because you're the one sharing expert knowledge and tips and strategies and all those kind of things. Um, and finally, of course, it's a great way for you to get paying clients because once you've delivered an hour's worth maybe of content, as I normally do, then at the end of it, it's perfectly reasonable for you to say, hey, by the way, if you thought this was good and you'd like to learn more about writing copy or learn more about whatever it is that you've talked about, then maybe you'd want to check out this offer that I've got for you. You know, here's what it is. Here's how much it costs. Here's what it will do for you. Go here and buy it now. And it works really, really well. I find it's a much softer way of introducing people to you, who you are, what you're about and your products than like, you know, if you looked probably 10 years ago, what everyone was doing was taking cold 
pay-per-click traffic from Google, sending it to a sales page and telling people to buy stuff doesn't really work that well anymore. And I think webinars are the future. They're the, they're the, they're the new way of doing it. Um, and for me personally, I found they work great because, of course, as I already said, you get people onto your list and you get the opportunity to offer them something and you don't just look like a sleazy hard sell salesperson. You know, you, you build a bit of a relationship along the way. I know you've got lots of experience with copy uh, and copywriting. I wonder what are your thoughts on on using sales letters? Yeah, I mean, where, where that would fit into the product launch sequence would be right at the very end. So, you know, people have got, you know, they've heard about you, about what you do. You've got their attention. You've created a bit of a bond. It would only be at the very end when you're actually saying, hey, here's what I've got for you. Here's how much it costs. Buy it now. That's when you would use a sales letter. And, you know, a lot of people, um, whenever I talk about sales letters at seminars and workshops that I run, you know, people, I always ask the same question, which is sales letters and always get a rousing uh, response with loads of hands in the air. Um, and I always say, I don't think anyone does hate long sales letters. They just hate boring sales letters. And, you know, a lot of people have this stigma against that no one's going to read loads and loads of words. But I, I actually believe that the more you've got to say about your products or service, the more people will um, will get the value of it. So I, I do, you know, I'm a big fan of long sales letters, even though it's seen as a bit of an old school tactic, definitely still works great. And of course, you know, you can you can take that old school tactic and move it into the 21st century by using you know, video instead of sales letter. The principles are still the same, whether you deliver it as a long-form sales letter that you send through the post versus um, a video online or even a DVD that you send through the post. doesn't matter. The principles of copy are still the same. You, know, you still need to take people on a journey from, right, here's what we've got, here's what it will do for you, and here's how you need to go and get it. still the same thing. Great. I, I just wonder with those those letters, I mean, I – I look at a lot of them still, and sometimes I just kind of wonder how authentic they are. Yeah. You know, I just wonder if you had any thoughts on on that. I mean, it's, well, it's the same advice I'd give anybody, whether somebody who's running a webinar or speaking at a seminar or on a radio interview like we are today or, or writing a sales or an email campaign. You, you know, you've you got to write it in your own voice. Um, probably the big mistake I see people make with copy is, they write it um, like as if they might have been taught in like a like a school English class or something like that, where you know it's all punctuality or, or punctuation and everything's all correct. Whereas I think a lot of time you'd never speak like that, would you? Um, or most people. So I think the key is you need to write as you'd speak. You need to include lots of personality in it. Um, you know, you need to include use your own language that you would use in everyday conversation and, you know, include some of the bonding and trust elements we already spoke about. You know, talk about your background, why you're qualified, your story um, and all that kind of stuff. And then I think it comes across as a lot more genuine. real. So I guess the the answer then is that actually what you write should be authentic. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no point. I mean, plenty of people out there, I'm sure who use kind of like, um, how do I say this, unethical sales and marketing techniques, um, you know, for, for the reason that they want to get as much, uh, as much money in as possible. But I, I don't believe that's a long-term strategy that's going to work because ultimately you're going to get, you know, you're going to, it's going to come back and bite you at some stage. So my, my take is always the same. You want to make sure that whatever marketing and sales message you put out there is genuine, it's authentic, it's real. Um, you know, you might you might not make as many sales as if you make up these big hopes at promises, but I think you'll sleep better at night. Absolutely. Great. So we've got um, a couple of two, three minutes before I need to wrap up and, and end this. So just very, very quickly, your top thoughts on video, and then I'd love to hear your sort of final lessons that you would like to leave people with. Yep. So top thoughts on video, uh, using video, well, first of all, in the context of a product launch, I definitely use it as a piece to get attention, try and make it a bit controversial. I'd also use it as a piece to use reciprocity, give people good material in your videos, and also as a, as a tool to create a feeling of bond and trust between you and your prospect by using, you know, you bring your personality into it, maybe tell them a bit of your story, your background, give them a bit of an insight into your life and who you are as a person and, of course, who you are as a businessman or woman as well. I think that will work really well or does work really well 
um, in the context of a launch. As far as video goes in the selling process, then it's a bit of a different animal, um, and it's probably something we haven't got time to go into, right? Um, but I would, I would say that I would steer clear of using video for selling purposes unless it's something you're particularly very, very good at. Um, but I'd say, I'd say that, you know, using video in your launch, just you, uh, nice and relaxed, you know, talking about what it is. Yeah, is is a great way to go. And would you use uh, make sure it's high quality HD video, or is YouTube quality sufficient? Um, well, it, it varies wildly depending on what industry you're in. You know, obviously I teach this stuff, so people expect my videos to be of the highest quality, and I hire a professional to come in and shoot it and edit it all for me. Um, if you're, you know, not in a field like that at all, um, so for example, one of my clients who is here with me today, she's a uh, she's a business coach. She needs. She's, uh, she specialises in doing uh, business coaching for uh, people who decorate cakes. So people who do like wedding cakes and that kind of thing. Now, no one's going to judge her on the quality of a video in terms of the aesthetic quality of it. You know, provided she can deliver the material goods well to camera, she's going to be fine. When you're teaching people about doing marketing using video, people are going to expect the video quality to be good. So I think it depends. Majority of the time, you know, as long as you're not making any glaring errors like, you know, uh, the position of you in the in the in the shot and all that. You know, there's a lot of technicalities around video that I haven't got time to go into. But you know, providing that you're you know looked pretty decent, I don't think it needs to be shot with a 10,000 pound camera or anything cool so what are the key the key messages you'd like to leave us with Nick? Um, yeah i think you know probably um let's say three things the, the first thing i think is if you're looking to get more clients more leads and more exposure for your business i seriously think joint venture is the best way to do that and the best the, the advice that i give you is to literally make a list of as many as possible like at least 10 people who offer complimentary products and services to yourself that you can go along and you can say, right, how can I help this person? How can I add value to their business and get a relationship established? I think if you invest time in doing that, then it will pay you dividends in the long run time and time again. Second thing that I'd like to leave you with is if you're going to run a successful product launch, then I think you need to really focus on the creation of the bonding and the trust between you and your prospects. If you haven't got that, the rest of it's completely pointless. I think you have to find ways, um, and really the best way to do it is just to be honest, be real, be authentic, be genuine, as we said, having your story, giving people a glimpse of who you really are, and then having your product, your service, stand alongside you as a person and be the face of your business rather than hiding behind some corporate facade. Great. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I've loved it. Thanks very much for inviting me on. I appreciate it a lot. No, you're very welcome and uh, well done. You've uh, surviving after only two hours of sleep. Um, so excellent. Thank you. Thank you for the message uh, from somebody who uh, referred to, to Nick's uh, Birmingham accent. And I think, Nick, you've come across very clearly from my perspective anyway. That's good. Thanks for the feedback. I agree. <laughs> really good. No, really great content. Um, so to find out more information about Nick, um, go to um, HTTP www.nickjamescopy.com. If you're interested in uh, his his joint venture material, it's nickjamescopy.com slash JV. Um, Nick also has a site with a number of sort of free gifts that you might find helpful. That's nickjamescopy.com slash, that's three, which is the number three, free gifts. That's three free gifts. So nickjames.com slash three free gifts. So I'm assuming from that, Nick, there's three free gifts there. <laughs> nickjamescopy.com forward slash three free gifts. Um, just to make sure that people are clear that there's copy. name. Sure. Fantastic. Great. And so if you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send it to chris at bemoreachievemore.com. Leave it on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. Um, and uh, I'm just um, at the moment um, starting to develop a new uh, Achiever program starting in the new year. So if you're interested in that, do email me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com and I'll, I'll give you a free sort of face-to-face consultation to um, help explain and articulate and see if that's something that will be uh, of value to you and whether you'd be the right sort of 
person to join the group. Um, I have next week. Um, I'm delighted to have John Kramer on the show. Uh, John is going to talk to us about different personality types. Um, John is um, a fascinating person. We know him as a bit of a genius uh, within the Speaking Association in the UK. He's a, he's a, a top expert on improvisation and also reading people, and he's got a great methodology to be able to do that just by looking at someone and uh, um, making all sorts of uh, um, identifications from uh, sort of how they look and communicate. And, and if you understand someone quickly, you can very quickly develop rapport and, and lead things on positively from there. So I shall look forward to talking to you again uh, next week. And Nick James, thank you very much again. Thanks again, Chris. Cheers. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. 